welcome to Terrace Talk as we look ahead to Norwich City's game at Brentford. I'm very pleased to say joining us is Billy Grant from the Besotted podcast, as you can see. Billy, how are you doing? And pun fully intended, you guys must be buzzing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Listen, thanks for inviting me on, Dave. And, uh, you know, welcome to you guys as well. Coming down to New Griffin Park, as we call it tomorrow. Right. Hope you uh, guys and girls have a, have a great day. Great day out. It's always a good day out, Brentford, you know. Uh, and but you guys are pretty um guys and girls. I keep saying guys, guys and girls. You're very um, you know, Brentford like the back of your hands now. So you know there's loads of places to go to go out, loads of different pubs, and uh you can all wear your colours, it's all friendly, you know. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a laugh down there. We've moved to our new stadium as well, and like I said yeah, to you, we nice. are definitely buzzing. Yeah, we're definitely buzzing because it's been uh, a long time coming, this uh this Premier League malarkey, you know. I never would have believed that I would have got here. Um, Brentford would have got here um, and you know you, you've been here so many times before you know you were like the you know you're the initial Premier League you know club you know I'm saying 1992 so you've been here many many times before whereas I mean in fact I remember we played you in that year I'm pretty sure we played you in the FA Cup in that year I remember coming up I did a coach um, and we yes. beat you 2-1 if I remember rightly um, we turned up right. little cheese hats actually there's a little diversion there but you know what I'm saying but that was a, and I remember that because for us and this just goes to show you how far we've come. That game was a massive game for us because we had got to the like third or fourth round, whatever it was at that time, which, you know, when you're in the lower leagues, you know, when you're in sort of third division or third tier, getting to the third round of the FA Cup is massive. It's mm. so massive, you know. And I think we got to, it was either the third or the fourth round it was. And all of a sudden Norwich came out the hat. It's like, oh, Norwich, they're in the they're in the top league. They're in the Premier League. Like, you know, and I remember I did a coach and we did it. We all got excited. Everyone, all these cheese hats. And we turned up, went to some pub somewhere. And we actually had a brilliant laugh and beat you in the end. And it was just like, everyone talked about that for years to come, you know. <laughs> and, we've, and But we never thought that, you know, we'll be playing Norwich on the same terms in the Premier League. So I think for me, that just kind of shows you how far we've come. And, you know, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here and we're smiling. Yeah, we've had a great start, but I'm not being funny. We could lose all the, all the, all the next load of our matches. But the thing is that, you know, you can't take it away from me or any Brentford fan to kind of just enjoy the moment, you know, to enjoy what's been going on at the moment now to ever, you know, just to smile and to, and to sort of revel in it because I'm not being funny. You know, I've, been to Accrington, I've been to Grimsby, you know, I've been to Wrexham, all these places, which I love going to, brilliant, brilliant places to go to, yeah. but you'd never think it's going to be, you know, your Norwiches and your Burnleys and your Man Cities and your, and your Liverpool. So when we do get there, just <laughs> everyone just give us a bit of time to just enjoy ourselves and have a little bit of a laugh. You know, you've been here many times before, so you know what it's like. And I'm sure, as people will say, the novelty will wear off after a while. And we can feel the novelty wearing off for, uh, for the pundits who were obviously very excited about us in the first uh, the first few weeks. Like you could feel the novelties were enough. They've kind of got used to us being in there to a certain extent. And I think they're probably waiting for the bees to take a bit of a fall so that they can uh, they can start talking about us again. Well, it's the first top flight meeting of the clubs, isn't it? Um, and Norwich are actually unbeaten in the last six that they've been to Brentford. But and, and I think most of the Norwich fans have been full of respect for the work that's been going on at Brentford in the recent years. And you could see just gradually building and really there was a really good project. But now the worries are creeping in that you might have actually managed to leapfrog Norwich and that Norwich have maybe stagnated a little bit. Let's, you know, the highs from these early days, the Arsenal and Liverpool game at home, they must have been pretty special. I remember seeing the the images on Match of the Day and stuff from the Arsenal game where there's people crying in the stands and stuff. That They must have been epic. Arsenal was, 
Arsenal was on another level. I mean, I, I, I actually wanted, and they, they sometimes ask you, or a lot of people are asking you before the season started, you know, before the fixtures are out, okay, you're in the Premier League now, you know, ideally, what would your first game be? And I, I said yeah. Arsenal at home. Right. And and the reason why is that I used to live right, you know, next to Arsenal. I used to live in Stoke Newington for, for years. Mm. So I was kind of embedded in that Arsenal community. I say the Arsenal community probably one step down from where it is now. It was just after they kind of won the, you know, won the league. Mm. At the last with the last kick of the game, and then they went into the sort of the Wenger era. So I was there at the sort of kind of early Wenger era, and it was actually kind of like organic. The way it's organically growing and Arsenal was growing, it was kind of nice. So I was I was really fully kind of ensconced in that, even though I was a Brentford fan. So I'd sit in the local pubs and I'd watch Arsenal play their games, you know, alongside Arsenal fans with my Brentford shirt on, you know, just you know tipping me out, saying okay, that's kind of cool, you know. But Arsenal have kind of gone on to be another beast since then, I think. So. Uh, it's quite interesting, kind of, uh, you know, he's saying, I'd love to be, you know, I'd love Arsenal to come to Brentford because also Arsenal are one of the very few teams that actually never been to, as we call it, New Griffin Park. Um, Man United are another team that have actually never been there either as well, um, you know, in, in, in the whole time that I've supported them. Um, so for them to come out of the hat first was a little bit like, whoa, you know, and then it was a little bit of kind of like, you know, let's just have a bit of a party as Brentford do because we do our kick football out of football thing there. We basically make sure that we uh, enjoy the pre-match, the post-match, but during the match, we kind of like, you know, it normally goes horribly wrong for us, you know, that's in the past 40 <laughs> years. So we make sure that the pre and post party are good, kick football out of football. And so we made sure that we had a right laugh. So before that Arsenal game, literally everyone took the day off work. You know, they were in the pub by midday. The whole place was buzzing. We had the walk from the ground to the new stadium, which is obviously a different walk than it was usually before. So, you know, working out, you know, when do we leave? Which route do we take? Do we do we go to the left of the flyover or the, or the right of the flyover because it's over the, the M4 motorway? Just things like that, which was sort of quite exciting for us. Like, you know, and then we got in 40 minutes before the game started. Normally we get in about two minutes after the game started, but we were 40 minutes before, got Thomas Frank whipping the crowd into a frenzy. And it was just, it was, it was amazing before the game even started. And the fact that we actually won the game, I mean, it was just, it was honestly, it was on another level. So it's almost like, you know, you take those things away with you. That Liverpool game was a fantastic game. And the, the fact that we competed, you take those things away with you. And, you know, we don't know how we're going to do at the end of the season, but the thing that I will say is that, you know, we have to cherish moments like that and days like that because, listen, we're all football fans here. We have ups and downs. We have some great moments. You know, you Norwich have had some great moments as well. You've had some down, down moments and that's how it goes with football. I mean, you know, some clubs, you know, some people might say they're very lucky to only have up moments and their, their up moment would be not finishing first, finishing second or third. And it's kind of like a little bit like, OK, I understand that. But the thing about it is that those clubs really kind of hit sort of rocky roads when they end up finishing eighth and tenth and twelfth. Then you see there's a lot of confusion within their fans. So I quite like the fact that you know <laughs> we get that kind of more of a varied thing, and, and and I suppose it keeps you it keeps you grounded and keeps you level headed. It does, yeah. I mean, as you say, Norwich beat Man City last time. They won at Everton, still went down. The last time before that, under Alex Neal, they went at Old Trafford. First time in 26 years, I think it was, still went down. So you've got to, you've got to savour those those big moments. Um, obviously, you come into this one on the back of three defeats. The, the, the result at Burnley was maybe a, a little bit of a surprise, the, the 3-1. Although Burnley almost seemed like they might be starting to play some reasonable football, perhaps. But the two games before that, the, the Chelsea and Leicester games, they looked like they were pretty narrow defeats, weren't they? Uh, Chelsea game. We, I mean, the first half Chelsea. It was one of those ones where the first half we we were we kept in, kept in the game and Chelsea were playing their game. You know, uh, Kante was oh he was brilliant. He was yeah, brilliant in that yeah, first yeah. half. He was just running the show. 
But um, Norgard was also playing very, very well, like, you know, but Chelsea was almost like we felt we need to get to half time. But you could see within the last 10 minutes of the first half that Chelsea were kind of just like chiseling away, just kind of getting in there. But we were still holding them out. So it was a little bit annoying that we scored. Uh, they scored a goal in pretty much an injury time in the first half, went 1-0 ahead. But the second half, I'm not being funny, we absolutely, we, we battered them. We absolutely annihilated them in the second half. And, um, and that, that's, the, that's, that's the, probably the big fear with us, with Brentford, because we are, um, we are very good at creating chances. You know, we, we, you know, we talk quite a lot about stats, even at, at Besotted. You check out the podcast, Pride of West. London as well. And it's out now as well. We've got a podcast which is out now, which has got a preview. It's got, you know, to, um, Talk Norwich City is actually doing the, the Norwich preview on that as well. So definitely check that out. But we've got our stats guy called Will the Spreadsheet Winker. We call him, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and he does this... Uh, uh, Long story, but basically, it was, it was an insult that Nottingham Forest fans gave us because we uh, we, um, we we do a lot of stats analysis, like you know. So when they beat us, they called us spreadsheet winkers, except for they weren't they weren't so polite what they called us, like you know. So we decided to create a little section in our podcast called the Spreadsheet Winker, and Will was great. He lives up in Manchester. He analysed the different games. And he, you know, he, and so in the analysis of that, you know, we, we were, he just, we were absolutely, you know, if you use XG, if you like, you might love it, you might hate it, but literally we had created so many massive chances, as you see, their goalkeeper was wicked, you know, and it's one of those scenarios where, you know, when you create these big chances, you know, for Brentford, in effect, it's almost like put the ball on the six yard box, put the ball in the back of the net. That's kind of how we, you know, like to play our football. Whereas, um, you know, when we had Ben Rama in the side as well, you know, he would be the one where if you're if you weren't able to do that, he'd take a shot from 40 yards, you know, which would have like one in 100 chance of going in the back of the net. So, yeah, we were we, we were we created a lot of you know big chances, and they didn't they, they and we didn't score. And against Liverpool, against the same thing as well. We scored three goals against them. We let in three goals. It was really great. But the fear that we have is that this year, as opposed to last year, last year, we created loads of loads of high quality chances. And what we did is that we were, we missed a lot of them, but we still put a lot of them in the back of the net. And the reason why you miss a lot of them is that you, you know, the strikers that you've got and the players that you've got, they're obviously not Premier League quality and they're still learning their game. So naturally they're going to sort of, they're not going to score as many as, you know, the top class strikers in the Premier League. If you had a top class striker in the Premier League and you created those chances, bam, you'd have been well and truly away. The fear that we have is that this year we're probably creating slightly less chances. So we know that any chance that we create, we need to put them in the back of the net because we're not creating as many chances as we are last season. And the fact that, you know, Brian and Boomer's hit the post about, I think it's seven times or something ridiculous, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, and Ivan Tony has missed quite a few chances, even though his work rate and his play has been brilliant. That's a, that's the one thing that's got me slightly worried about us this season, actually putting our chances away in the back of the net. We play Brighton and Brighton, three chances we had, very, very good chances. Brighton had one chance with Trossard in the 90th minute, bang in the back of the net. Aston Villa, same thing. We had some really good chances, should have really been home and dry. And then um, um, Bundia scored brilliant goal, pulled it to the back of the edge of the area, bang, in the back of the net. So this is the thing that we're, we're, we're being sucker punched by and we're, we're learning our game where people always said to us, you need to watch out in the Premier League. You give a, you give a good player a second and they're going to punish you. Going back to the Burnley game, though, Burnley, I'm not sure whether or not it's the injuries that we've got because we've got a load of injuries um, and that's not making any excuses. We just do. So, you know, when our goalkeeper, Raya, who's a brilliant goalkeeper, is out, we've got a new goalkeeper in and he doesn't quite gel with his defence. That's going to cause you a few problems. So when you've got him out, you've got, you know, Aya, who we who we, who we bought from Celtic, who's a, who's a brilliant centre-back. When you've got him out, when you've got Brian and Bumo, who plays off Ivan Tony, when you've got players like that out, 
you know, it causes you some problems. But saying that, Burnley were brilliant. I mean, I'm not being funny, but Burnley, they, for the first minute, as soon as the ref blew his whistle, they were at us and they were all over us. And they were Chris Wood, who I think normally is, you know, be honestly quite, quite rubbish. You know what I'm saying? He was Wasteful, great yeah. and he was, you know, instrumental to the way that they played. You know, they were, honestly, they were really, really, and we just, we, we just couldn't handle them. And that, this is the first time I'll say this for a fact, you know, because I'm, I'm not rose tinted glasses. I'm, I'm honest, and we're you know we're championship stroke EFL team who we try to be real about football. And you've got to tip your hat to 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 to, to play, you know, because we're football fans at the end of the day. And you know, we came away from Burnley. And if you listen to, like I said, our post match podcast as well, Pride of West London, we I interviewed about thirty minutes Burnley fans and Brentford fans afterwards. And it's it's worthwhile Norwich fans actually having to listen to that because it'll give you a real feel for what we're about. You know, what our fans are about, but what also has been said about the game. And every single Brentford fan said, look, fair play, Burnley. You were better than us from beginning to end. Every single part of the pitch, you were better than us because you came into that game fully prepared and you went bang and you did what you had to do. And you might be at the bottom of the league, but, you know, if you do that every week, you, you're not going to end that bottom of the league because you you play some great football. So I think, you know, for us, Brentford, we have to, you know, we have to watch out because we know we have to be on our game. But we also realise that teams out there, they're decent teams out there. Norwich, listen, you've got some great players you know, so you might be at the bottom, but, you know, all you need is one decent performance. You come decent performance, get a decent result, and it could turn your whole season around. So uh, we need to be, I say, on the ball, as you guys say, <laughs> on the ball, Brentford, <laughs> you know. So. Well, Cornet looks like he's a really good signing for, for Burnley. That seems like he's kicked them on a level. But the, the way that you've described that Chelsea game there, that you only lost 2-1, but you were in the game. That's what Norwich fans... 1-0. Uh, sorry, 2-1-0, sorry. The... the that's what Norwich fans are, are desperate for at the moment. You know, they they just completely fell apart to a 7-0. You can handle losing. You can handle being in a relegation fight as long as you're competitive, as long as you're battling and, and they're not doing that. And um, yeah, I, I can sympathise with your, um, your spreadsheet, man, as well, actually, because um, when I first started going to away games with my dad and his mates when I was, whatever, 14, 15, and they let me have my first pint occasionally and stuff like that, um, his best mate has called me Stato. Ever since then, still, I'm 35 now. Whenever I see him, straight away, Stato, how's it going? So I think that will stick, stick with me for forever. You mentioned how good Tony is. We all think he's a very, very good player. But he's one that I think has stuck in the mind for Norwich fans, as in, why didn't Norwich go for him? He was available for a pretty reasonable fee from, from Peterborough, wasn't he? Um, and and similarly, now this summer, you managed to beat Norwich to to Christoph Iyer from from Celtic as well. So... How imp- obviously he's just picked up this injury, so he's not going to be involved. But how how good has he been so far, and, and how much of a difference has he made? Because I think if Norwich could have got him in June when they were trying to first get him, then it could have made a big difference for them. Christopher I is massive. He's a massive, brilliant player. You know, like when you again, if you've watched millions of football matches, if you like so many football matches, you just know. You know, you don't need to have a look at the stats and the figures. No, if you like, you, you look at a play and you go, "Oh, he's quite good, isn't he?" Mm. Oh, God, what he's done. Oh, that's really clever, isn't it? And it was one of those ones where Aya, he just picks the ball up. He sort of seamlessly just glides up the pitch with it. You know, he's in, he's in the opposition area more than he's in his own area half the time. But he's, he helps to link the play. He helps to, you know, he's a, he's a defender, but he's an attacker at the same time. But he's just really classy with it. So um, his, it's going to be a massive miss. Having him out is a massive miss. We got Zenka, who we got on a free transfer. You know, he was actually a free agent and we kind of needed an extra centre, centre back. And we got this guy in and he's good. But he's not Ayer. And and again, I always say these things with all due respect. I'm not 
disrespecting Zenka, and I'm not disrespecting any other player. It's like we're talking about Ayer now and how good he is. Zenka's a very different player to what he is. So we have to adapt our game to play in and around with Zenka. And he, he is very quite traditional. Uh, he's very calm. He's very experienced. So, yeah, it does, it does work in certain areas for us. But then we lose part of our game, not having Ayer, not having his... Uh, positional stance, not having his attacking, you know, um, um, nous as well, you know, but we have to, we have, we have to make do. And, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that Norgard, who's a really great centre back, you know, comes back into defence? That's, a, that's, that's a, into, into the back of the three. That's a big question mark. You know, do we flip it um, and change our formation? I don't think we're going to do that. Um, the big player that we had missed is, um, a guy, you know, because we had quite a few injuries and honestly, the key yeah. players as well. And it makes such a difference to a side of us, which we've actually realised that we're, we've actually got quite a small squad. Um, and I think what we decided to do is that we didn't want to go and blow money like Fulham did and spend like 150 million on players like straight up. And then it's like, oh no, these players aren't very good actually. You know, so we actually ended up buying sort of four or five players and start to slowly slot them into the side. And I think that what we're going to say, and I'm saying, I think, I mean, obviously we've got quite good relations with our, you know, director of football and, 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 and the coaching staff. And, and they sort of let us on a, a few things. And what I feel is that we're going to have a look at things in January, but based on the fact that we still got some more money left. So we're not blowing it all at once and to see where we need to, where we need to, to strengthen, you know? So, um, you know, with, with, with that respect, I has, unfortunately, looks like he's going to be out for at least a month. I think it is, might be a little bit longer, you know, um, I think he's got a hamstring issue, which is, which is frustrating, but listen, you're just going to have to deal with it. The, the, the other irony is that we've got, um, Sergi Canos, who, who's obviously used mm. to play for you guys as well. And Sergi Canos, who is a great winger and, you know, you know, we've got that song, who's Sergi Canos? Uh, how do you know how you score that goal? I want to know how you scored that goal. And he scored a great goal for us against Reading, which has been, I wouldn't say a noose around his neck, but that's the, that's the one thing that people really remember him for, even though he's a real badge kisser, sort of browbeat, and loves Brentford to the to the hill. Um, he got injured for the Bees, and uh, he was out for about a year. Then he came back, and he sort of kind of struggled when he came back to try and get to that next level, because he's so enthusiastic. He tries to just get in, you know, just, just throw himself right in, and he wasn't quite basically making the standards. And he got a bit of grief from a section of the Brentford fans, but he slowly came back into it at a great season. We got promoted, but this season we've actually flipped him from in effect left wing or right wing or left wing, which are the wings that we're going to put him on to uh, right wing back. So he's actually our right wing back. You know, we got a left winger playing at right wing back because, um, you know, um, Dalsgaard uh, left um, who was playing at, at right, oh, yeah. um, right back for us. And he went back to Denmark to go to FC Michelin, which is our sister club over there. So we were, lacking in those areas and we said you know Sergio you've played this position once or twice before try it out and he's done it and he's been really good I have to say because of uh he's he's, he's basically given us an attacking option you know so our you know our wing back play is very important to the way that we play so Sergi's actually sort of provided that so that'll be very interesting to see how Norwich sort of kind of deals with uh with deals of that you know but like I said to you we're we're a bit you know we're a bit all over the place at the moment now and I think the reason why this game is going to be a big tester for us is to see how much we're able to adapt with the new players coming in. You know, is Mbuma going to be in or not? Is it going to be force again? You know, that didn't really work against Burnley. You know, is it going to be, you know, you know who, who's going to be in defence? You know, who's going to be playing in, in midfield? Is, is Janelt going to be back? Who's, who's the key player I was going to talk about a bit earlier? We signed him from Bochum for 500 grand last season. Um, and he resigned him because Norgard got injured for most of last season. And we were gutted because Norgard's a brilliant player, but oh, Yano, mate, he's, he is a man machine. 
absolutely brilliant player. And the fact that he's been out for quite a few games, I think he's even out for the Chelsea game as well. So he's been out for quite a while and him being out is, is, is massive for us because he covers so much ground. He presses, he tackles, he's just all over the place. So if he can come back in and slot in, you know, and help to give us that impetus back, that's going to be really, really key for us. But I, I can't say that's going to happen because uh, injuries are, um, you know what they're like, you know, somebody will be back in two days and it takes them three months to get back. So uh, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed here. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what's frustrating for Norwich is that their injuries have been all right so far this season. Two years ago, they had a total injury crisis and you could sort of blame it on it. At the moment, it's pretty settled. Um, but it's good to hear Canos is, is doing well. Um, I think most City fans feel he was given a pretty raw deal by Alex Neal and that was was fairly underused. And he the, the way he bounced back was, was great to see. But he I don't know if you're aware, but he became a bit of a cult hero for Norwich at the end of 2018-19 when you beat Leeds 2-0. Um, I think it was Easter Monday and we'd all been at Stoke and that was, I think that was the first chance Norwich had to seal promotion or, or almost seal promotion maybe. And the players were all crestfallen on the pitch at the end because they'd thrown it away and they'd drawn 2-2 and they thought, oh no, Leeds are going to overtake us right at, right at the end. And then Sergi set one up, scored one. And we we're all huddled around the, the radio because it was the, the late kickoff that day. Um, and thanks to that, Norwich then were in control of things, went and won the next game and sealed promotion. So he did sort of take on that cult status eventually. Um, just finally then, on Norwich really, the sort of external view on Norwich, How, given that they won the title last season and you guys had to go through the, the playoffs, just how surprised have you been that they've they've had such a, you can't really avoid it, a disastrous start? I mean, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. I mean, the thing is that... Um... Even though you won the title last year, I have to admit, I didn't think that you were as good as previous years when you've got promoted. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, yeah. That's just my personal opinion. You know, there's there's players like, I mean, just like I said to you, I think the first a couple of years ago when you, I think you won it through the playoffs. Um, was it, did you? The, uh, the first few, time under Parker, they won the title as well. Um, but they were more of a sort of, buccaneering swashbuckling team who conceded a lot of goals as well all the games were dramatic whereas last yeah, season maybe, they were a bit again, more defensively solid yeah maybe again it's it's my view of coming into the championships at the time being a new a new fan and, and a new team and just everything being wow and <laughs> you know and for us knowing that we've come from D division one going oh my god we're going to play Norwich this season you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's kind of one of those ones and you had Jerome um, Cameron Jerome in the side and players like that who for me, I was like, wow, that guy's like, he, he's fantastic and they're so strong and, you know, so things like that. And also the, the time before as well, you, like I said to you, you had Madison, who's a, who's, who's a pain of friendly fans. You know, we're not, we're not very happy with Madison after his goal <laughs> celebration against us when he right. scored against us for you that time. And then he did it again a few weeks ago for, uh, for um, Leicester City when he scored down our end after we gave him a bit of abuse. But you had players like that. So it was like, whoa. And I know you had Pookie. They've always got Pookie. And I thought that you were okay, but I thought that um, Bundia was a player who was fantastic for you, you know. But when Bundia wasn't playing, and again, you know, we've moved on now. So I'm not saying it as a disrespect to Norwich. You just asked me a question, you know, about you. So I'm just being honest. And I think that mm -hmm. when Bundia wasn't playing for you, you weren't necessarily quite the same side as you were with him because he was actually a very, very good player. So you kind of almost like centred your team around him as a player, which is fine. You know, so you did really well. So now that he's gone... You know, it's uh, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's a one man team as such, but I'm thinking that it's it's become more difficult for you to not only play the style of football, but play the style of football with a step up. 
you see. And I think that's the, that's the difficulty. And I think sometimes, you know, um, it is quite difficult when you get these players that are so good and it could be hit and miss when you're doing your recruitment, I suppose. Um, you know, we're quite lucky because with our recruitment, because, you know, the way that he basically is built his whole, his whole life and his whole business around, you know, the, the numbers thing, he's kind of, he's kind of got it quite set in his, in his head, how and what type of players that we're going to buy. So I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes, but we're kind of sort of kind of quite in, you know, quite in the game for the players that we, what we feel is going to fit the style for Brentford. So we're like, this is our style of football. This is what we do. These are the type of players that we want. And then they go out and they find it using the, the numbers and the stats and also using their scouting system and then, you know, sussing them out and seeing what they're like. So we're, we're quite lucky like that. Yes, it can't, it's not hundred percent and it doesn't go right, but we're, we're, we've, we've had much more hits um, the misses, and I think maybe with you because you've had such a massive like with Bendy, he was like properly up there. You had to kind of like try and find somebody that was up there again to try and replace him, and it's been quite difficult. So for your team to try and rejig itself um, without him, and obviously bring in a few new players, which probably I wouldn't say that they're necessarily bad players, but because we had this problem after the year that we got to the playoff semi final, our first year mm-hmm. in the championship, and we bought. Um, we actually learned from it. We actually kind of, because the Warburton thing didn't really work out for us for various reasons, which we won't go into because he, he had his, he, he had his way of doing things. He wanted to do things that way. And we wanted to go that way. So in the end we moved on and he moved on and went up to Rangers and then we ended up doing our thing, but we ended up buying about, I think about 12 players in the close season. We just went, right. We just want to change everything. Everything's just going to be just different. You know, we're going to get rid of Warburton. We're going to get in a new manager who's completely different to Warburton. We're going to get a whole load of players who's different to Warburton. And we we just did that. And then what we found was that we had made too many changes too quickly and too many players had, were taking too much time to acclimatise to the style of football. Some of them had come from abroad. They didn't know about the UK and the jokes and the banter. and They just didn't know it. And it took a whole year for us to kind of get those players bedded in. And we kind of missed, we realised the mistake that we made, put our hands up and said, look, we're not going to do that again next time. We're going to sort of do it sort of slightly slower, bed players in in different ways, maybe not putting them under so much pressure so that they have to come straight in and we expect them to be fully running. And maybe it's the same thing with Norwich, where you've got your players who've come in and it's going to take them a bit longer to bed in. But unfortunately, because you're in the Premier League, you're, you're kind of in the firing line a little bit. So, you know, whereas maybe if the, those players had been in the championship, they would have got time and playing time in the championship to kind of get that level and you make them Premier League ready. So when they actually get up to the next level with the Premier League, then they're actually kind of ready to go. But again, I'm not a I'm not a coach. I'm just I'm just you've asked my opinion and, I, and I'm just sort of giving you giving a reason why, probably based on maybe a few of the mistakes that we've made. But, you know, I don't think you've got terrible players. There's no way you've got terrible players. I think that, you know, you're, you had a bad start and you're in a bit of a hole. And as I said, you know, at any stage you could turn that around. And if you turn that around, you know, you never know. Burnley might come back this week and <laughs> smash somebody 3-0 after beating us last week, you know. And that's football for you. And that's why, that's why we love it. Top stuff. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how Daniel sets up, whether he'll go back to his back three, because he did switch to a back four again against Leeds and didn't quite work out. But um, it's going to be a really, really interesting game. Billy, thank you so much for your thoughts. And uh, I'll say good luck for the rest of the season after tomorrow, because Norwich obviously are, are desperate for a win. But I, I think, well, certainly from my point of view, I really respect the, the work that's going on at Brentford. And I, I hope you guys manage to enjoy a bit of Premier League success. 
Oh, thank you, thank you. Like I said to you, Norwich fans, come down, go all the pubs. There's pubs around Kew Bridge. There's loads. There's loads down the river as well. There's loads on the other side of the green, but also the old Brentford pubs are still in action. There's a couple of pubs which are around the old stadium. The Griffin and the and the New Inn are still in operation as well. Pubs around there, and also the Globe and the and the Lord Nelson as well, which a lot of Norwich fans used to go right. to before. Which are only about fifteen minutes walk from the stadium as well, and you can you know you don't have to queue up for some fifteen minutes to get a pint in those as well. But they're still quite buzzing as well. So loads of places for you to go for the match. So maybe I might catch you uh, for a drink for the game, and uh, and we'll have a chin wake. Welcome back to part two of Terrace Talk as we look ahead to Norwich City's trip to Brentford. Joining me is City fan Sean Gallier-Pace, who is a colleague of ours at the Eastern Daily Press and Norwich Evening News. Sean, how are you doing and how are you feeling about Norwich City at the moment? I'm very well, Dave. Um, it's, it's so frustrating to be a Norwich City fan. I'm, I'm sure I speak for all, all fans at the moment. It's We've been through the ringer and... It just doesn't seem like it's getting any better, unfortunately. Um, you try to cling to a bit of optimism, um, but there isn't at the moment. And it will take the the biggest Norwich City fan that, that you can find to, to try and give give any at the moment. And that's just me being honest. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I also think part of it at the moment is in the Championship, you obviously... You've normally got a game two or three days away, haven't you? And these big long gaps in between games don't really help when you're when you're wallowing and bottom of the league. Well, let's let's come to you with the sort of the the big obvious question that is is unavoidable at the moment. Are you sort of a a Daniel Farker in or or Daniel Farker out? Where where do you sort of stand on the whole debate? So now I'm I'm Daniel Farker out, and it's it, it's so so difficult because there's a real big split at the moment. Um, mm. I've seen you know many Norwich City fans still in staunch, staunch support of him and, and be like, OK, well, we've got Brentford at home. You know, we've still got Southampton, Newcastle, Wolves coming up. They're all winnable games. Why don't you give them those games? But if you give them those games, you're 14, 15 games in. We're already eight points away from safety at the moment. We are cut adrift almost. Um, it's getting to that time. We're, we're, it's November. It's the, it's the start of November. And it's already feeling like we're relegated. And that that shouldn't be the case. How many, how many teams in recent seasons have been completely cut out and maybe you know Sheffield United a couple of years ago but you know it shouldn't be that way so I I said last week before uh, the Brentford game not that before the Leeds game um, that he needed to, to beat whatever whatever way we could have had a scrappy 1-0 win and it was an own goal and that would have been enough for me um, it didn't have to be a glorious performance as, as we've had over Daniel Fark over the years but we just needed to get the three points that hasn't happened and what do you do? Do you keep do you keep giving him games and, and hoping he turns it around? I think he's got to go, and I I do think uh, you know he's he's got obviously Brentford now, and then we've got an, an international break, and I think that if he if he if he if it's another defeat against Brentford, you've got to use that time and, and act quickly. How many other clubs would keep a manager that's won five games out of forty eight Premier League games? Not not you not many, and and it's. I know that we operate differently. I know we're a self-funded club, but there comes a point where you just need to think, you know, we need to do what's right for the club. And it's it's hard it's hard to sort of come to that realisation because Daniel has brought us so many good memories and, and two promotions, and but there's also been a catastrophic Premier League relegation as well. And, and I can just see us going through that same process and that was hard enough the first time don't don't put us through it again <laughs> but yeah. you know it's I, I do get it it's a, it's a split at the moment I'm very much on the 
thank you for the for the memories, but it, it's just time for a new approach and a, and a fresh voice, and maybe that's what the players need. And and I just don't I just don't see us getting any better, unfortunately. Yeah, it's. I think it's pain. It's. It feels pain for a lot of Norwich fans at the moment to be negative about Daniel Farker because there's so much affection for him. And it's still only a few months ago that they won another championship title. And it's it's not easy at all at the moment. But ultimately, in football, what's the one thing you can change? Really, you don't you don't really want to pull out Stuart Webber or or anything. And that was the whole point of having a sporting director, wasn't it? Is that the head coach can be changed and that that is kind of how football works if you want to you can't sell the whole squad you can't even sell a good chunk of the squad in january frankly the one thing you can do to change things is bring a new head coach or manager and a new backroom staff really isn't it that's 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 the only thing you can do just just straight away isn't it um obviously you saw what happened at newcastle you know that's that's the first thing the new owners did they mm. they got rid of stick they gave him his a thousandth game didn't they but they uh they got they got rid of him quite quickly um and that's sort of what we need to do. We need to be ruthless and and just sort of put the club first. Um, I, I just don't think that'll do it. And I think Stuart has, has already, you know, he, he spoke to, to you guys last week. He's, back, he's backed his man. He's made it, his position abundantly clear. Um, and I, I do think that the two are sort of inseparable and tied together. And I think if one goes, the other might want to go. Um, so I, I think they gave him that four-year contract in the summer. You know, it... it was obviously seemed like the right decision at the time. Should we have put a break clause in the contract? Is there a break clause in the contract that if we were this many points away uh, from safety, you know, we can shake hands and it's because it's probably quite expensive to get rid of him. Um, and then, and then there's a the question, who do you get in? Is, is it, if we get someone else in, are they going to do any better than the players that we have? Do you know what I mean? It's the better, better the devil that you know than the one that you don't do. So it's, there's that question as well. Are they gonna if you get, if we get someone else in? Are they gonna actually do any better than than um, than Daniel would? And you know we saw that before um, a couple of years ago with Chris Hutton and Neil Adams. You know Chris Hutton had five games left of this left of the season to play, I think, and Neil Adams came in and it, it didn't. You know that that manager manager bounce didn't really work either because I don't think he he won a game, didn't he? I think he drew against Chelsea and that was that, and we still got relegated. So would. Would we have been better in that situation to have kept Chris Hutton because he'd been working with the players all season? And, um, you know, it's obviously the situation is slightly different because, you know, there's still a huge chunk of the season to go. And this is why I think he needs to go earlier, sooner rather than later. So the new man can can have time to work with, with, the, with the squad. But it just depends who you get in, doesn't it? It does. Um, I think that... The way that things have worked out this season, um, that four-year contract that you mentioned mm. there, when when that was announced, everyone was very happy about it. And when the transfer window closed as well, I, I feel like most people were pretty approving of the mm. recruitment that had been done. It, it made sense at the very least. It looked like it was pretty good value for money and stuff. But maybe we haven't seen the evidence of yet, that yet. And, and Stuart Weber has asked for that little bit more patience but all of that is what is making all of this more frustrating isn't it because it, it you know if we boil it down to this game mm -hmm. the, the best thing probably still is for Daniel Farker to get a win if they go and get a win at Brentford and they somehow manage to turn mm -hmm. this around a it would be a heck of a story for them to dig themselves out of trouble from here b everyone would much prefer that Daniel Farker is the man that brings the success it's just the alarm bells are ringing and it's unavoidable at the moment um but can you see that 
that happening. That seems to be the big thing at the moment that everybody or not everybody, but a lot of people have made their minds up that those wins aren't going to come. So as we focus on this game, have you got any hope really of, of getting a result against Brentford? I've always got hope as an Orange fan. And that's the one thing that you can sort of cling to. You know, you've always got that belief on match day. You know, as hard as it is, like looking at the game in advance, it, you always get that thing. OK, we're going to win today. We're going to win today. And, uh, you know, working in the office um, ahead of games this season, you know, everyone's like, OK, we're going to win 2-0. We're going to win 3 Do you know what I mean? And it, you, you think it and you believe it and then it happens and kick off. And you go, oh, OK, it's the same old story, isn't it? Um, so there's always that belief. What, what I haven't liked is seeing fans be like, well, you know, hopefully we lose against Brentford because that might push him up. Because to me, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you support your club, you support um, the manager when that when that whistle goes and the, and the games. But you've got to support the team and you've got to put all that put, put all that aside and, and and hope that Daniel turns it around. And of course, I hope Daniel turns it around. And that is, you know, a Brentford win would be a springboard and we would go on to bigger and better things. But I, I just, based on what we've seen so far in the 10 Premier League games that we've played, I just don't see it, you know, and we've had opportunities to win games. You look at Brighton when we had all those chances and I know you can't, you know, Daniel Park isn't playing up front and he can't make Josh Sargent score that chance. But you, you just, you just look at it and you think, could he have done something different? Could he have played in a different way? We've got Christos Tazoulis sitting on the bench and we spent 10 million on him. Like, there's got to be a way to use use the tools that you have in a better way and you know maybe I'm just speaking with my football manager head on and um you know and I'm <laughs> trying to trying trying to like think think about it in a in a in a silly way but for me I just think yeah, we've got all those players sitting there and we've got Billy Gilmore is a Champions League winner with Chelsea he's not even had a kick of the ball the six weeks and I just What's the what's the point? Use the talent that you've got at your disposal. And we've got Todd Cantwell, who's not even played for. Um, however, I know he's had a lot of um, sort of things going on, um, but that needs to be resolved sooner rather than later because we need our best players playing. Um, and I think even our best players, like you know, Timu Pukis and, and Tim Kroll, you know, they're not playing at the, at the sort of levels that we're used to seeing them um you know tim made that mistake and you know he's made so many saves for us over the years we're not going to beat him with a stick for one mistake but there's 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 errors like that and and timu's not getting the service and it's it's would someone well you just question would would someone else come in and get the best out of these players because at the moment it's not daniel yeah well the Kabak one is the one that springs to mind as well as you're saying that um yeah. you know him, him trying to push out he thought he was a dan didn't he yeah um, would would another head coach have tolerated that almost? Would he have had the freedom or would he have known, you do not do that? I think a lot of it comes down to confidence, doesn't it? When you just look at the actual games, you know, like Sergeant's miss or various things, confidence is always a massive part of football and they really don't have very much of it at the moment, particularly after that 7-0 thumping at, at Chelsea. Let's I just do, turn I it. Think it was a better perform. I do think it was a a, like a much better. I know it couldn't have been much worse, could it? But I, <laughs> and that was that was pleasing to see um, because I, I felt like there was a bit of a response, particularly in that first half. Where it went wrong was, you know, we we conceded after um, so we we conceded so quickly after scoring the equaliser. I thought the fans with us, you know, I thought that was the moment. Like, okay, we'll go on and win the game, you know. But just just two minutes, there was no chance to get sort of that momentum because Lee's just sucker punched us and. 
that, that hurt. That hurt because I was like, okay, right, there's that could be the chart. That could be the the moment in the season where you just, you know, it just it just switches and it flips yeah. and you know that turns your season around. And I'm, I'm, it wasn't to be. And it, I, Leeds were there for the taking, and that's that's the thing that hurts because you think at home against Leeds, you know, they would would they're still down towards the bottom as well. You think should have that's a missed opportunity. We should have beaten them. Yeah, it was after the goal, wasn't it? There, there was that surge. And then yeah. when the goal went in, the, the the dejection and disappointment and, and pain, yeah. you could see it on the players' faces. When that goal went in, um, it, I think it was Dion Dublin on Match of the Day 2, wasn't it? Highlighted mm. how many players had their hands on their head. They just couldn't just believe they managed to let it slip after working so hard. And and they did probably yeah. deserved to be levelled, didn't they? But then they, once they conceded... They did. And they, yeah, but they, they, went, they, went, so they went 2-1 down. And then, and then that was that then. They were like, oh, OK, we've lost the game. And like at home with 25 minutes to go, you think, oh, come on, like you've got mm. to do something different. You've got to go for it. You've got to, you know, it was just the same old story. And, and that's the most, I don't even remember a, a chance really afterwards that, that of no, because that, because we just were just content because we were so used to being like, oh, they were like, they got one, one. And they were like, okay, well, we've, we've done our jobs then. It's not, it's not as simple as that. So yeah, it's, it, I think I think many Norwich fans, they just we just expect more. We don't expect to win every game. We just expect a bit of you know effort, a bit of grit, a bit of a, a bit of a performance, something to cling to, and and the fans will get behind. Just you know, just look at that that goal from Big Andy. You know, they they got behind him. I know it was for two minutes, but they got behind him, and that's you know, it's just it's just so disappointing. Yeah, I think the fans held up their end of the bargain on Saturday um, and responded to what Stuart Webber had said. Um, Brentford, very different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, did have a bad result last weekend, which maybe there's a little bit of, a bit of hope from. They lost 3-1 at Burnley, but you know, three wins on the board already. They beat Arsenal, um, mm-hmm. they beat West Ham and Wolves. So mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're the sort Against of victories that yeah. Norwich couldn't imagine at the moment, are they? But to have 12 points on the board already... I guess maybe maybe the play coming up through the playoffs has meant that they've come up with more momentum. Has it, has it surprised you how well they've done? It hasn't. It hasn't. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because what I've seen that Brentford team is what I saw in the Lambert team of 11-12 um, when, you know, it's a group of lower league players, but, they're you know, they're performing on the big stage now. So they are Premier League players now. So he's he's got a really, really good group of players there that are fighting for him, that are there for him, that believe in his ideas and and are, and are willing to give him everything and, and that isn't what we have got. So it's, when you look when you think about Brentford, you think okay, you know, I just think I think of Bournemouth. Do you know, what I, mean? I think of when we were in the same league as Bournemouth, and, I, and you sort of think, well, we're a bigger club than them. Of course we are. Like Brentford, you know, they're a they're bog standard Championship team, but they haven't. They've got good players. Like they've got Mbuemo, they've got Tony, they've got all these sort of big physical Championship sort of Championship esque players that are actually performing above what what you see them as traditionally so it's it's frustrating that you look at them and you think well they're going to roll us over at home with all the fans behind them you 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 can't see anything other than a than a Brentford win at the moment and that shouldn't be the case that shouldn't be the case because Norwich are a are are a major are a major team in in comparison to Brentford traditionally and we you know beat them last season and and beat them to the title quite convincingly and well, this will be the first time the clubs have ever met in the top flight. So that says a lot. When you, show, how many just... seasons have Norwich had? 27, 28 seasons in the top flight? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, you, you, don't, you don't expect to be playing teams like, not with all due respect, of course, but you don't expect to be playing teams like Brentford and thinking that Brentford are the, are the, are the ones that 
are in the ascendancy. You don't think that they're going to be the favourites to win the to win the game. Um, so to to sort of come up against them, we're we're stark outsiders and, and expecting to lose. And you can imagine all the pundits uh, will be set. Well, that's the home banker of the weekend because it shouldn't be that way, should it? And it, we sh- we shouldn't be going in thinking, oh well, we'll be lucky to to get a draw because you know also at this stage draws aren't good enough for us anymore. You know we can't be drawing games. We need wins, and and anything but is is abject failure. Yeah, particularly after just months after Norwich won the title and Brentford finished third. Um, but this does feel like a very different Norwich team, doesn't it? So let's let's finish on your thoughts for for the eleven. Really, um, mm-hmm. what did you make of the changes that Daniel made in in terms of shape and personnel? And what would you like to see? I think Brentford generally have been playing a, a three-five-two. Sergi Canos on the right and. Like some of the players that you've already yeah. mentioned, Tony and Bemo and things like that. So, yeah, what, what would you like to see? Back, if only he was doing all right. Yeah. For us. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really given the chance, to be honest. But what would I like to see? I would like to, um, I would like to, I, it won't happen, but I would like to see us revert back to, to what we what we used to be able to do and have the 4 2 3 1, um, have Krull in Tim Krull in goal, um, have Aaron's, who I thought played pretty well, um, on the weekend, um. Big Andy, Hanley. Um, I'd probably go. I'm t- I'm, t- I'm torn between Dimi and um, and Williams because there's, there's not much between them, is there? And there doesn't seem to be much between them with Farker, let, let alone that he's played on Mabamadeli at left back last week. We should just like to say as well that we're recording ahead of Friday's press conference, so um, we don't know about Grant Hanley's fitness just yet. But Ben Gibson's available again, isn't he? Yeah, after okay. after his suspension, um, but but it sounds like Kabak's not really in your, in your thinking to start then. No, I, he's a bit like David Louise. Do you, <laughs> do you know? I think I think he's a good player, but he definitely has a mistake in him. He want to roam forwards. You know, he's exciting to watch, but he's a, I think he's more of a player that you have. When you aren't bottom of the league, do you know what I mean? I think he's a okay. he's a player. He's you know you see him run. I, th- I don't know who, who I've forgotten who it was against that he made that surging run forward into it was Burnley, wasn't play. it? And then he he and, didn't yeah. pass the sergeant. <laughs> so it's it's nice to have a player like that, but not in this current situation that we're in. Um, okay. Sort of from, the, from the mistake um, at the weekend, and I, I I just think that we need a bit of more of a solid base against Brentford. Um, so yeah, I, I'll do that. Have that as the defence. Um, look. I'm a big Billy Gilmore fan. You know, we just saw what he did at the Euros. Uh, I'd love for him to be to be back in the team alongside Norman, who's probably been our best player this season. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd have them two sitting. Uh, I would have uh, Rashika, who I, I, I like the look of, and I think there's a lot more to come. And everyone was was really excited about um, about the prospect of him and and you know what, what he would bring to the team, which. He hasn't shown it to be those flashes. I think he had a couple of it was that one out of frustration that he had at the end of the first half. Was it the end? I think so. Um, yeah. the, the weekend, and then he had that free kick. And you think, wow, he's, he's actually got a shot on him. So, mm. you know, get him get him into some space, and, and maybe something can happen there. That um, was probably his best performance so far. That's maybe not saying a lot, but you know, he got yeah. an assist as well, didn't he? So, yeah, that was it. Was it was nice to see that's what he's capable of, mm. and you know. I, I think he's he may be one of those players that's a bit inconsistent, and um, you know, he'll, getting he'll, used to the intensity of, of the Premier yeah. League as well. Ho- hopefully, there's more to come for him. So, well, there needs to be more to come. There for needs him, to be more. The players like him need to step up, and you know, he was signed for a lot of money. Um, mm. And and I'm hoping that 
you know, I, I, I think we've seen enough to to know that there is more to come. And um, you know, he, he he did all right. I think he did quite well last season at, at Werder Bremen as well. So you know, there's potential there. So you'd have him in the team for me. Um, I'd have Tazulus as well. It won't happen because for whatever reason, ever since he's missed that penalty against Liverpool. Daniel has, has given him harsh treatment. I think Weber said last week he he isn't he wasn't signed to play every week. And I think, well, if we're spending that sort of money, why didn't we sign someone that would be able to play every week and help us stay up? Because yeah. that that's that's a bit odd to me. That's that's alien because like, why why would you sign someone that for the money that we signed him as well for the future? Are we just to make a profit on him, or or, or do we you know have ambitions to stay up and, and want to um, you know? Be, be able to have players that are going to give us an output this season because th- th- this is what matters. Um, so have him on the other wing. You've got, you've got. I think again, there's potential there. We've not, we've not really seen it. We've seen flashes as well. Um, you know, you just look back. I know, I know, but Bournemouth is still doing well. But they, you know, he had that performance against Bournemouth, and you think, wow, he's going to be, you know, the next best big thing. He's going to step up for us this season. We haven't ever seen that ever, but then we, you know, Sergeant did that as well. So you know, and that, look what happened there. So um, it's, 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 yeah. Again, another one with a, a, a point to prove, I think, and um, and hopefully he will get in the team. And I've I've put Todd in. The, he's not going to come straight in, of course, he's not. But in an ideal world, you need your best yeah. players playing, and, and Todd has got to be in that team as well. Okay. Um, but if not Dow, if not Dow, if not, yeah. I, was, I was then about to say Kieran Dow has got to be. Um, you know, playing in, in instead, uh, and then obviously Timu. Um, yeah. up top, I'll, I'll drop Sergeant. Again, you can't write players off too soon, but we, from what we've seen so far, me, me or you could have done the running about that he's done and have the same goal output. Like, it's don't speak for me, <laughs> <laughs> not this hamstring, <laughs> but like, like, you know, I, I wouldn't have scored, but I'd have still done the running around that, I've, that he's done in the last yeah. couple of weeks. So um, yeah. you know, it's so so that's that's the team I would I, I would do in an ideal world. I understand that you know we can't have Todd playing because of fitness reasons, whatever else. Um, and and there's a few other you know chances that probably won't happen either. Gilmore, I doubt will play. To, to do this probably won't play. But that's the team that I would have with my football manager head on anyway. Okay, great stuff. Well, I've just uh, done a story for our websites just before we started recording about Josh Sargent being left out of the US squad. Um, okay. Adam Eder is in the Ireland mm-hmm. squad. Pookie, of course, in the in the Finland squad. But I said this in our podcast at the uh, at the start of the week that still, I think, if you look at the three of them, if you want one of them to have a clear cut chance in front of goal, it's still Pookie at the moment. For, Absolutely. For far as i'm concerned so yeah i'm with you on that one thank you very much for your for your thoughts sean um enjoy uh, monitoring the game from from afar um we will of course be at the brentford community stadium on saturday to keep you up to date with everything so keep it locked at pinkin.com and thank you very much for watching